So we want to welcome all our friends from Haida Gwaii and those watching online, wherever they are. Uh, very thankful that you joined with us, and uh, we're so happy that you are here this morning. Last week, um, again, don't forget that AGM on the 20th. We want to make sure we knock that one out of the park. We've got some exciting news that uh, God has been kind of dealing with us and uh, speaking to us, and some interesting things have come about. Um, and guess what? I'm going to be asking you in this new fiscal year, and probably for the next five or so, to really, um, to really look at your faith in God and trust in Him. And uh, if He wants us to do something, then we're going to give it a go. You know, when we open the doors, let's see. <laughs> let's see. We're going to go through them, and uh, it should be very interesting as to how that's going to look in our New Year's following. So very excited. Lots going on. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you're here for that. Uh, so we've been talking about walking through the wilderness, so basically going through difficult times and struggles. You know, we use a lot of terminology in the Christian church like wilderness and things like that, but it just basically means we're, we're, uh, we're out and, and we're, we're struggling or we're having a tough time. Maybe we feel far away from God, maybe we feel lonely, whatever that may be. Um, there's, there's, there's a time of struggle and a difficult time. And last week we talked about Hagar and how she had a very unique and interesting situation in Genesis chapter 16. Uh, and she re recognized at one point that God saw her uh, and she sees him. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you finally realize um, that God sees you. Uh, and it may be, may be right now you're in a place where you don't feel that he does. We all go through that, as you can see in Scripture, and it's time and time and time again. And I, I really like um, that God chases us. We talked about that last week as well, that he's chasing you. Um, his Holy Spirit is working in your lives, even when you don't think that he is. He asks the right questions. Man, Jesus asked good questions. Um, and when we put our trust in him, it doesn't mean everything's going to be just, you know, rainbows and unicorns. But what it does mean is that God is with you, taking you on a journey of where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. So today we're going to look in Exodus chapter 3, uh, the first 12 verses. I'm going to read them for you this morning. It says this, uh, chapter 3, 1 to 12. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire but didn't burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and I will see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I hear them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue from uh, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good spacious land flowing of milk and honey. And now, the Israel, and, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressed. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people 
the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, this, this will, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, in this particular setting, <clears throat> Moses is being asked to bring the people out of slavery, out of, out of Egypt. And, and like Moses, we know that God still hears the cries of his people. He listens. Uh, and, he still, and, he, and he wants to free us from slavery and sin, from wrongdoing and death. And simply put, when we put our trust in God... His promises, and he promises that sin will no longer control our lives. Sin will no longer, or wrongdoings, because he is guiding our lives and he's giving us strength to walk through them um, and through any struggle that it is. And notice there I said through struggles in life. Uh, We will face struggles no matter what we're going through, and you know it. If you've been around long enough, you know we go through trials. We go through difficult times, whether they're caused by us, whether they're caused by somebody else, uh, or whether it's just the way things go. We go through difficult times. He didn't say that it was going to be easy. He didn't say you're going to have just a cakewalk. There are struggles. There are trials where God is molding us. And that's why we see in the New Testament, there's lots of illustrations. You know, I'm the potter, you are the clay, molding us into who he wants us to be. So when we're walking in the wilderness, there's a few things that I I want to mention to you. And when we're going through those difficult times, um, it's important for us to be vulnerable. How many really love being vulnerable? I mean, some are better at it than others, aren't they? <laughs> uh, I'm not always good. Like, we like to bring up walls. Like, I like to put up a wall every now and then. It's a protection thing. I mean, you can go to any psychologist. They'll, they'll pick your brain, figure out where you're, where you're putting up walls. But, but some people don't like to be vulnerable. Uh, and we all have a point in our personality or in our life where we, you know, we'll be vulnerable up to this point. And then past that, not so much. And we all have a line. But it's important for us to be open and open to God and ready to listen and ready to surrender or yield, yield to him. I really like that word yield. Um, I mean, I don't, we don't like to be vulnerable, but I, I can understand yielding to him. I've uh, never tried to merge onto the freeway where there's a stop yield. Do you know that there's a reason why there's a stop yield sign, a red yield sign? Most people don't even notice it. You know how I know that? I've been there when they've been smoked by another car. Yielding on a red sign is telling you that you don't have the right of way. It's that you got to wait until there's a spot. you got to wait until there's an opening. We don't like to do that, do we? And in the same way with God, we don't like to stop yield. Do we? It's like, no, God, I got this. I can go. I can go. I can merge without any problems. Well, there's a reason why. He wants you to look around. He wants you to see your surroundings. He wants you to wait sometimes. There's another one. There's a yellow yield, and it's a caution. It's like, there could be a problem. You may have to stop. But at this point, know that there are dangers on the road, and you have to be aware of them. It's the same way with with our spiritual life. Sometimes there's a stop yield, which we don't pay. Have anyone ever do a California stop? Back in the day when you used to be able to get your license within one month? 
you get your learners, and then within a month you're in. Now they got to go through like hoops and whatever they have to do, which just really hasn't changed anything as far as accidents on the road. It really hasn't. But, um, you know, sure, make everybody feel better. So they do that, but in the end, like lessons are good and all that. But, but when I went to do my driver's test, I've been driving for a month now. To be honest with you, I'd probably been driving longer than a month, but you know, we don't need to get into that. And as I was going to my test, I'm like, okay, I should be good at all this. I should be great. I should be fine. Shall I go in Abbotsford? I knew Abbotsford very well, and I was driving, and get up to this sign, and I pull up, and I'm like, looks good to me. <laughs> no, it's California stop. And then as I, you have to parallel park. Oh, trust me, I can park anything anywhere. I was magical. Then we did a few other things, drove around, got on the freeway, all that, came back. And she, and she sat down, and she goes, okay, so clearly I can see that you can drive. But did you know that you blew through a stop sign? And I'm like, no, I didn't blow through a stop sign. And she goes, I said, well, which, which, which one? Because I don't, I don't, obviously I don't recall that. She goes, the very first one. <laughs> and I went, no recollection. She goes, you California stopped on your driver's test. <laughs> and I went, huh, go figure. And she's like, that could be a fail. And I went, but is it? <laughs> she goes, well, because I can see that you drive, because I can see you know how, and your parallel parking was, if there were trophies, I would have got one. <laughs> it was amazing. You, you, could bar you could barely slip a dime in there. It didn't touch the tire, but man, it was good. So she passed me, and here I am today, a professional driver, extraordinaire. <laughs> Park a fire truck where you can't even fit a Volkswagen Bug. <laughs> I can drive a fire truck backwards as fast. No, okay, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> Michelle doesn't like it when I take our car and go down oncoming traffic, but that's a whole other story. We'll have that conversation another day. But there's a stop yield, and in our spiritual life, there's sometimes a stop yield. There's a, hang on, you're going to get to go, but it's not your turn. It's not your turn. And there are other times where it's like, well, keep going, but be very cautious. Be very cautious. Stay in touch. Have your relationship with God in tune so that you know about the dangers that are around. But we like to ignore those signs because we're in a rush. We're in a rush. Nine times out of ten, any accident I've ever been to is because somebody was in a hurry. I mean, that's probably the number two, the other one's uh, alcohol, but um, the, the rest of it is in a hurry, um, in a rush. I mean, I don't know what we're doing that's so important. Unless you're a brain surgeon, I don't know why you're rushing around everywhere so much. I rush, but yeah, I mean, we got to slow her down. But God is putting these signs up in front of us. It's very interesting in this story when Moses walks up to the bush, God says, stop. And he says, remove your sandals. How many of you remove your shoes when you go into a house? Yeah. How many of you, I'm not going to ask, don't. <laughs> but there's a cultural thing with that. I'm very much of a take your shoes off at the door kind of person. Um, I think it's important. I think it's, it, it all kind of started out because of hygiene. Shoes were dirty and they're walking around um, on unpaved roads and, and uh, back in the day. 
Um, and they would, before they would enter a house or a home or anything, they would take their shoes off. Uh, and then there would be uh, sometimes servants that would wash the feet. And, and it was for hygiene, but it was for clean feet. And, and servants washed the feet. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But foot washing was a part of all of that, where the servants would come and do it. And that's why Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. Because, uh, you know, it was a common practice. Um, even today, in many cultures, removing your shoes at the door is a sign of respect, and I really like that. When I was in martial arts for many years, and we always had to remove our shoes. We don't don't put your don't put your shoes on on the the floor of the of the dojo. And I'm a big believer in removing your shoes uh, at someone else's house for sure. Um, and I know some people that don't care for that or whatever, but I'm a big I'm a big big fan of that. Um, but Moses removes his sandals, and, it, and it, it, first of all, demonstrates this, this obedience where God says, stop, remove your shoes. And so he does. Um, even in his being unprepared for everything that God's going to do in that whole situation in his, in his advanced age, he's taking off his shoes. And Matthew Henry, the one commentary, uh, it says, uh, says that putting off the shoes was a token um, of respect and submission towards God. It was very common. Uh, some scholars consider that removing the shoe signifies that Moses is putting off the, the earthly as he approaches a holy situation, as, as the Old Testament priests did before they were entering um, the sanctuary. And there's so many different interpretations of why he did that. And who, it, it, removing his shoes can also signify... Um, the fortifying of, uh, or sorry, the forfeiting of comforts and, and, and rights as, as uh, before God and willing to surrender the past, the present, and the future to God who equips us. Now, I think a lot of theologians and commentators read a lot into it. I think it was cultural. I think it was respectful. I think that's what God did. And no matter what they say, we can definitely agree that removing his shoes uh, removing his sandals was an act of surrendering or yielding to God by saying, God, I, I give everything to you. I, I, when your shoes are off, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. Um, I wear flip-flops all summer. Like I, I try to push it as far as I can go. Uh, I start as early as possible, and I finish as soon. And so now it's no longer flip-flop season which is very sad to me. But you are vulnerable when you're wearing flip-flops. You're vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever stubbed your toe with flip-flops on. I don't know if you've ever dropped something on your foot. You're vulnerable. And that openness is similar to when Moses takes his shoes off, he's being open to God. He's being vulnerable before God, as well as giving that respect and surrendering. And he's trusting that God is going to protect him. And again, we can go off tangent and try to read so many different things into it. But the point is, is that he was showing the respect and he was being vulnerable before God because there's not much you can hide from God. When we are exposed with God, no matter what is happening around us, we learn that he is protecting us. We are relying on his strength. We, we act in the power of the great I am. We can't hide anything from him, even though we, we think we can. Moses tries to, and he's afraid. 
We can't hide. And then God calls. And not only is God protecting us, God is protecting and he's wanting to work in the lives of those you are praying for, of those loved ones that we talked about last week. I challenge you to not give up on praying for your loved ones that have gone through troubles or are going astray. Everyone has their own journey, and when we pray, God does things. We have to remember that. But we do need to humble ourselves. We need to be vulnerable, and we need to follow his directions. And when we do that, we can walk confidently in his will, in the direction that he's asking us to go. Whether our feet are bared or sandaled, we find that there is divine strength in knowing our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, as Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 says. So be vulnerable with God in your wilderness, in your struggles, in your journey. When we go through difficult times, it's important to know that, yes, God is with us, and we can say that all day long, but he hears you. Last week, we talked that he sees you, and, you, and, and, and Hagar saw him, but he hears you. It may not feel like it sometimes, uh, but he is with you. His presence is here. And so how do we know that? Well, like the flame that was burning in the, des- in the desert without consuming the bush for fuel, God's holiness is eternal. It is everywhere. Uh, th- this particular incident of Moses is important because it's the first direct statement in the Bible linking holiness to the very life of God and making fire that symbol of that holiness. It's a flame that needs no fuel to maintain it, a flame that represents the eternal, self-sufficient life of God. And this whole story shows that where this God is, holiness is. And we can draw near by listening to what God has asked us to do. And God heard the cries of his people. He says that in that scripture. I've heard them, and I want to save them. He wants to do the same for you this morning and your loved ones. So Moses was afraid of this this holy power. Um, But God showed again that he who sees... And cares for his people, he's not that far away. He's not that far away. So we talked about last week that we can trust God and, and he's near and, and, and he sees us, but he hears us. And he hears your cries. He hears your prayers, even though it doesn't seem like it. In the movies and in literature, you'll notice that missions often begin with a brief uh, with a briefing and some instructions to whoever it is. Uh, you, many of you probably watched the Mission Impossible movies if you choose to accept it. And the main character would get this little thing and then at the end it would say this message will self-destruct and it would explode in his hands. And of course Tom Cruise, as dreamy as he is, is on there doing everything that he could possibly do to save the world. Well, this is Moses' briefing. This is his briefing with God. He's given a mission through this fire The burning bush represented the presence of God with his people. A bush on fire would have been something very interesting for him to see. I'm pretty sure that he's seen bushes on fire before, but this particular one was different. It wasn't burning up. And as he went to it, he realized what that something else was going on here. And if you notice in Scripture, as they're leaving the desert, as as they are being guided through the wilderness, Israel 
is directed by God at night by what? A pillar of fire, stating that he is there and he is directing them. See, this burning bush is, is, is generally seen as a symbol of the Israelites' condition in Egypt. They were oppressed by uh, servitude and by like persecution like no other. And yet, in spite of all the cruel policies that, that were on them, that were bent on annihilating all of Israel, they continued to be numerous and they continued to thrive no matter what. The reason they thrived was because God was in their midst. He didn't forget them. He didn't forget them. In those times of persecution, he didn't forget them. He heard their cries. The reason they thrived was because God was there. Now, I bet you they didn't feel too good when they were being persecuted by Egypt. I bet you they didn't feel like, you know, they could go anywhere without being possibly murdered or beaten. That's persecution. Moses hid when he heard this. He hid when he heard God's voice. I don't know, um, uh, when things get tough, do you tend to retreat? Do you tend to pull back? A lot of people do. Um, they get afraid, so they hide. But what, is, what does God say to him? He says to Moses, I'm going to remind you of who I am. And he tells him, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You need to know. And of course, then Moses is, obviously he's starting to realize what is happening here. And when we go through these difficult times in our own lives, it's important for us to know that God is with us and the Holy Spirit is his presence. Now, remember when I asked you, how do we know God's presence is here? You see, fire is a sign of God's presence. It's with, throughout the Old Testament. It's a sign. And we see that in our scripture today. And you see it uh, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's explained like this. I will baptize you with water for repentance in Matthew, cha Matthew chapter 3. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to care. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then in Acts chapter 1, he says, You receive this Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of earth. Notice that he, you, you will receive the power. You will receive the fire. And then he says in Acts 1.8, I will be with you. You will be my witnesses. The tying is great. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing, like the like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, the presence of God. His presence is here. His presence is in those people's lives in scripture that his presence is with you sending jesus the incarnate son the incarnate son of god and sending the holy spirit to be with us is the ultimate fulfillment of god of god's promises uh, to be with his people and to walk with you through the desert and to rescue you no matter what you are going through today 
no matter what it is. God wants to be a part of it. God wants to be a part of your life. And he wants to use you to guide others. If you're going through struggles, that's part of the journey. We all go through all of these characters within Scripture gone through it. People you know have gone through it. God wants you to lean on him. He wants you to be vulnerable. Let him guide you through that desert, through the difficult times. But just like Scripture, God wants you to step out. He wants you to take that step. First placing your trust in him. And then, and then you move forward. It doesn't mean things are going to go our way because we put our trust in him. It doesn't mean things are going to be super fantastic. Look at what happened with Egypt. Even though they're in persecution, they left. God was with them. Fire by night. Heat, cloud by day. Food from heaven. Yet they still complained. And they wanted to go back. This is not what we want, God. We don't want this. Can you imagine? God doing all this. And then them just complaining. And he's like, just do do what you need to do and trust in me. But it gets, it gets old after a while. In our own relationships with God, sometimes God is doing things all and we're excited and then he's done it for so long we just kind of go, oh, that's, that's normal. That's normal. And we get used to it. I want to remind you today that when he works in your life, don't get used to it. Get excited about it. Be an example for others. It means when he's doing something in your life that he's going to do it his way. You have to ask yourself today, are you able to give that kind of trust to God? If Moses can do it, you can do it. If most of these misfits in Scripture did what they did, you can do it. I know we, we look at Scripture and we, we lift them up on pedestals. We lift up the apostles. We lift up King David. They all made royal blunders they didn't listen they were stubborn they tried to go do it their own way king david is a mess but yet he did great things for god that's a whole other sermon though talk about how someone like king david making a huge mess of everything can be such an influence but it's true and so can you no matter what's going on in your life so are you able to give that kind of trust to God? Are you able to be vulnerable? If you are, get ready because he's going to do something in you. He's going to do something awesome. You've got to be ready. You've got to be able. You've got to be wanting. If you're not able to trust him, he will be waiting for you. But just because he's waiting doesn't mean he isn't doing something in your life. So I want to encourage you today. If you're not ready to trust him, he's going to wait. He's calling your name calling your name from the bushes, saying, will you answer? Will you? That's what we all have to decide, will we answer? And that doesn't mean we just, because, oh, you know, well, I, I, I accepted Jesus in my heart, and now everything's just tickety-boo, and I'm just going to continue on. No, what are you doing? So others may know. How are you serving? There's more to it. But today, be vulnerable. And put your trust and faith in him, because he does hear you. Just sometimes we got to wait a little bit. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you are doing in our lives, and thank you that with, with, these, um, with these stories in Scripture and how you worked in many of these people's lives, and today in Moses' life, we just ask that even though we may feel inadequate, even though we may feel that we're not able to do what you've asked us to do, help us to see what you see. Help us, give us enough that we can understand and, and trust if we're struggling with that. As we move forward in our walk with you and as we go throughout our week, let us be that great example of Jesus. And when we're called, we answer. Because you know what's best for us. Help us to recognize that. Give us um, safety as we go in our different directions. Help us to sense your spirit in those times when we don't quite feel it. And help us know you are near to us. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week. Looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless.